these up. I'm just going to talk to you about them very quickly. We found that all things were made by him and for him. Amen. And remember also in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, that everything exists and were created for his pleasure. You were created for God's pleasure. And remember again that God is love. And we're going to be looking at that in more detail as we move forward. Because that is a key revelation that we need to receive. We, we, we must get past the place where God has love to God is love. Are you all with me? There's a difference, okay? <clears throat> and uh, remember again in Ephesians, we looked at the fact that He chose us. He chose us before the foundation of the world. Before we had any say in it, He chose us. Alright, which tells us something very important, and that is God decided to create us, not so that He could have little servants running around. In fact, when you read Genesis, it says nothing of the sort. The, the way God made us was, He said, let them have dominion. Amen? And He said, you subdue this thing. And the word subdue is very, very interesting when you look at it in the original Hebrew. It actually means you master this planet. All of the sciences, all of the mathematics, all things on this planet. You master it. And you know, in fact, that was the whole heart behind science in the beginning. Where people wanted to discover God, and that's why, that's where science was born. They wanted to know, how did God make this? Today, it has become the total opposite. But, the, you know, the desire came from, we want to see our Creator. We want to see His handiwork. And that's what drove them. And so we need to understand something. That's how and what God prepared us for. That's what God created us for. It wasn't so that we were just pieces on a board. He wanted us to take... See, this is something that we still miss today. We're still asking God to do everything for us. And God said, let them have dominion. He didn't say, I'm going to have dominion now. You just obey me and I'll just do everything. Are you with me? See, we keep missing this. That's why Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, now you go. He didn't say, all authority has been given to me, I'm not going to send any of you because I know what you like. You're a bunch of... <laughs> no? Okay. See, all the time. And, and he talks about the Lord working with them. Amen. Signs following. It means that he doesn't want to go do it. He wants you to go. That's why he said, if, you know, whoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. He didn't say, ask God to remove the mountain. Now, of course, God works with us. Remember again, God, God's working with us. But again, he's saying, you need to get up and do something. Take responsibility. And this is the reason why the world is saying, oh, if God is so loving, how come he allows all this to happen. And I'm turning around and saying to you, God gave you dominion. Why are you letting this happen? We see things, well, I don't know, man. Hey, pray. Is that so difficult? You see something on TV. Don't sit there and cry with everybody. <laughs> you can be sad, but use that and pray against the thing. Well, what does that do? It's just me speaking words. No, you're releasing things in the Spirit. You're activating things so that they can go start doing something. You have no idea the forces 
like Elijah said to his little servant, they're more with us. You can't see them, but they're there. Amen. Of course, he, you know, he said, open his eyes, man. <laughs> and he's like, whoo, Lordy. <laughs> so, and they were all around Elijah. I thought that was very significant. They're all saying, say something. We'll do it. So, learn to pray. Why? Because God said, you have dominion. You speak. But you have to speak this. You can't speak your stuff. That's why you have to get good at this. Amen? This is what they listen to. You speak the word of God and in line with the word of God, they'll go do what, they, what is coming out of your mouth. Amen? Um, okay, anyway. Where was I? Yes. <laughs> we also... <laughs> we also... Uh, we looked at the fact that God just, God's love wants to give us everything. He wants to bless us with everything. And uh, in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we, we looked at the fact that the Apostle Paul, um, John says, and that's why he's, he's saying it in the way that he does, when he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. You know, he's saying, God's love is just incomprehensible. He says, what kind of love is this? He says that he has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And then verse 2, he says, beloved, we, now we are children of God. I love the way verse 2 ends. I haven't put it on here. But he says we are going to be like him. Oh, that's powerful. But that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> today we're talking about God's love. We're talking about the fact that we are children of God. A lot of people are focusing on, the, oh, we need to be servants of God. Can I say this? You, that's wrong in that you need to be his son and serve. You can't just be a servant. There's a big difference because as a son, you're responsible. Do you hear what I'm saying? To carry out daddy's will. Because you are, you are holding his name. You carry his name. Amen? And so you are responsible to, to represent him well. Hallelujah. And when people have issues and problems, again, you know, I always love, I always love that it said, and Jesus healed them all. When there's a problem, just deal with the thing. Don't get involved with, well, did you sin? Or did your parents sin? Or did your cat or dog sin? Or, you know, you just go down all these roads. It's like, can we stop for a second? First you deliver. Then we can chat. Amen. That's how love operates, by the way. Okay. We looked at, we looked at John 4.19 in relation to John 4.10. Remember again in John 4.19 it said, We love him because he first loved us. And then we saw in John 4.10, which is a few verses before that, it says, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So, <laughs> that, that was something that was so key in everything that we're talking about right now. That He first loved us. Okay, so the last time I, I spoke to you, we got to the place where 
I believe, I Howard Marshall said, it is good for us to constantly, or to uh, us constantly, to renew our knowledge of God's love as we read of it in the Bible. And please, when you're reading your Bible, don't see all the judgments and everything. Everything that happens, you know, whenever you start to look at all the judgments, you begin to realize how far off track people had got. It was so bad. You know, people just get up there and they just preach. And it, it saddens me. I'm a little mad too. But it mostly it saddens me when they see how God, you know, tried and tested and did this and did that. You look at what the people were doing and you think, God should just kill them all off for the things they were doing. And yet he would just suffer long with them. Well, the other thing you need to know about the Old Testament is they didn't have a big revelation about the devil. You know, they, they just, everything was God. And so, that's the reason why Jesus said in John 10.10, which is what this church is named after. Yes, Jamie, I plugged it. All right. <laughs> um, Jamie says, you put, put another one in there. Let's plug the church. But, you know, that's why we, 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 we did this, was that we want to let people know that something was said to clear up what the misunderstanding was in the Old Testament. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I. Remember, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's speaking on behalf of God. He said, I have come to give you life, and life more abundantly. Amen. And so we really, really need to understand that God was always looking to give life, and the devil was always looking to take life. And so, Jesus, I, I, I love that, that he drew this line, and he made sure if it is, Life and life more abundantly, it's God. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it ain't Him. It's something else, and you need to do something about that. Because He's roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking, seeking whom He may devour. Don't be on the list. <laughs> okay? Make sure that your name next to it has, don't go near this person. Because you'll come out without teeth. They'll beat you. They'll pummel you. <laughs> this is not one of those nominal Christians. This one knows the power. This one walks in it. Amen. Let me read this again. So again, Howard Marshall says, It is good for us constantly renew our knowledge of God's love as we read it in the Bible, as we hear it proclaimed in the worship of the church. You know... Can I just say, just the music that we have will heal your soul. We'll just bless you. And we want to take it out um, for another day. All right. Um, <laughs> and he, he goes in to say, And as we consider the ways in which our whole life has been molded by experiences of God's love and care for us. Our whole lives have been molded and see, we need to make sure that it's being molded by experiences of God's love, not some twisted thought of His judgment and that God was doing something bad to you. It has to be molded by this, because if it's not molded by this, then you are going to carry that message to other people. You are going to say, well, God tested me, so He'll test you. God made this bad thing happen to me, so he'll make this bad thing happen to you. Instead of doing the exact opposite and standing against those things. Amen? And shutting down the devil in people's lives. 
But to do that, you've got to shut him down in your life first. Practice on you. <laughs> so you can go help them. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, what do people sin? First John 1, 9. If we acknowledge our sin, not counsel the thing, not spend half an hour telling the person, how could you do this? You know, the flesh wants to do that stuff. Come on, can we be honest? God says, you know what? Acknowledge it, get it out of the way. And let's start with a clean slate and move forward. And then be like Jesus and say, sin no more. Don't do that. The way I do it is, dude, stop it. It's killing you. I'll pray for you every single time. But why do you want to live from prayer to prayer? See how long you can go, <laughs> how much you can survive before you get to me again. This is not the way to live. Okay, anyway. Thomas F. Johnson said, It is God's love which enables authentic agape love among Christians. Now, this is really important. It is God's love. Because God is love and He lives on the inside of us, okay? That's what enables us to have that kind of love. We can't have that kind of love because it's supernatural love. Listen to me. Even though we live in fallen bodies and in a fallen world, we still have the ability to walk in God's love. It's a wondrous thing. It's incredible because everything in you wants to rebel, wants to come against, wants to be in strife. And something inside, if you allow it, will rise up and counteract all of that. And just change your whole disposition. But only if you allow it. Allow it. <laughs> okay? It will change everything and it will put you in a place where you are sowing good seeds. Because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So if you judge somebody, you're going to get judged. If you love them, that will blossom into love from everything and everywhere. And it's not that everybody's going to love you because we live in a fallen world. But I tell you, enough will come back. You will know, you will see, you will feel. Hallelujah. Amen? So he says here again, it is God's love which enables authentic agape love among Christians. The self-sacrificing nature of divine love. That's the nature of divine love. It's self-sacrificing. That's just the way it is. Okay? The self-sacrificing nature of divine love calls forth among believers the same grateful response of costly love in return both to God and to one another. Now, you can only do this if you've been first loved. You can't do this if you don't receive the first part. If you don't receive that unconditional love from God, then you won't love unconditionally. You will love with conditions. Oh, I could park there for about three hours. I won't. You pause the tape and you park for three hours. <laughs> okay? You ask yourself, everything that you do, that you, that you say comes from love, and yet you're looking for some return. And you get upset when somebody doesn't return that. Especially in the spouses. I did all this for you and what do I get? Nothing! Hello. 
I know everybody's saintly here. I will never do that, Pastor. I give without... <laughs> oh, come on! Look, even my pulpit objected. <laughs> it, it, it is. You know, the closer you are to people, the more you, re- you expect from them. And God is the exact opposite. In fact, you know what? That's not a true statement. He doesn't expect anything back from anybody full stop. Whether you're close to him or you're not, he'll still love you and bless you as much as you let him. Did you hear the words, as, as much as you let him? Because we're the ones that stop that. We're the ones that say things against God and about him and that aren't true because some preacher said it to us. And even though it went crosswise, we believed it because, well, he's in the pulpit. He should know what he's talking about. Not always. He's full of messes too. And if he hasn't received this unconditional love, then he is going to be preaching stuff that's not right. Be careful who you listen to. So again, I've said here, this can only happen when we experience God's unconditional love for us and truly understand that He did, in fact, create us to love us. That, you know, I keep coming back to this over and over again because it is so important. It is a revelation that you need. Now, to gain some understanding of what it actually means for God to love us, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to go back to the fact that God is love and talk to you more about that. But for the moment, let me just jump in here and let me just share something from here that will help you understand what love is. When we say God is love, you need to know what that means. Okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the word, beginning in verse 4, it says, love is patient and kind. The word love there is agape. It is, listen, very interesting, it is the God kind of love. It's not phileo, it's not any of those other types of love. It is God's love. Now, because God is love, and that is the love he's talking about, we can insert God in there. So I'm going to do that for you today. Are you all with me still? Did I lose anybody along the way? This is so important. Because I want to put God in here, and I want you to begin to see God in a different way. God is patient and kind. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'll do my best to um, change all this around, okay? God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. God doesn't demand his own way. God is not irritable, keeps no record of when he has been wronged. He is never glad about injustice, but he rejoices whenever the truth wins out. We'll look at this in more detail, all right? God never gives up, never loses faith. He is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance and person. (laughs) All right? God never fails. Now, it's fantastic that we read that, but what does that mean? Let me just show you two qualities. Let's just begin with the first two. Give you some insight. The, the, The Greek word translated, now in the King James... It takes the word patient and it it puts the word suffers long. It is a stronger word because that's the word that should be there. It's not just patient, it suffers long. Okay? In fact, it says in the New King James that love suffers long and is kind. 
that is God's love or God suffers long and is kind. The Greek word suffers long means to be patient, forbearing, and long-tempered as opposed to short-tempered, okay? All right? Then has to do with actual offenses and injuries that he receives from others. It says that one receives from others. I'm going to put him in. So, I need you to understand something. People are preaching that you do something wrong, just the littlest thing, and God's got this huge stick, and he's just waiting to pummel you with it. You do anything wrong, and whack, whack, whack. Some days you don't know why you're getting whacked. <laughs> you know, you did something and you didn't realize you did something wrong. Hello, uh, you know, and, but that's what, that is what people preach. And so they never see God in this way. They always see God as this, this kind of figure that is intimidating, that is always mad, that is always grumpy for some reason, sucking on lemons constantly, you know, and he just never has anything good to say about you, except what, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> You know, it's always about what have you done for me. And that's how religion preaches God. And God's saying, hey, I just want to love you. Can, can I just love you today? God, I don't have time for you. Oh, you don't have time to be loved? Changes prayer, doesn't it? Just ho- hopefully, I just made all of you prayers from today onwards. You need this. I don't know if I'm up to pray today. Just go get loved. Sit there and say, God, <laughs> I'm empty. You know, it's only after you feel. I wish I had time, but God did something wonderful when He gave us His Spirit. It was His life. It was. Oh, it was so much. It just, it, you got plugged in. And all your Christmas lights went on. Before this, you were a tree with dead lights. And you got plugged into the Spirit and bing, all the lights went on. And they flashed and they danced around. And there were all sorts of wonderful things. Gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> you know? And, and so suddenly you're alive. And suddenly you're blessing people. And so you need to know that that love operates from that. Okay? And you need that. That's another story. But let's get back to this. You need to see something about God that He is, he is long-suffering with you. He is constantly waiting on you to get, to get your act together, to stop making excuses, get to Him, acknowledge sin. He is covering you as much as He can and when something slips through, what do we say? God, why are you doing this to me? He's saying, you're carrying things in your life that is opening door to the devil. I am trying to shut them as quick as I can, but there's only so much that he can do while you are just actively disobeying and inviting the devil. Remember, you know, people say that God is sovereign. No, your will is sovereign. If, if God was sovereign, then you, nobody would go to hell. He would just make everybody get saved. He doesn't care what you think about it. His son went and died on the cross. That was a horrible thing. This, you're not getting a choice. But people don't get this. They still think everything that goes on is God's will. 
and there you are. I answered this to you before. You know, if God's so good, why does He allow bad things to happen? Because He allows you to have a will. You make bad things happen. I don't mean you here, but you know, people, they decide they want to be mean, they be mean. That's not God testing you, that's them being mean. Driven by the devil. Are you all with me? Mm, okay. I, I need to get to stuff here. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is the quality that stops God from immediately reacting negatively to the sin and rebellion of others, regardless of how horrible they may be. It is the ability to be inconvenienced, offended, injured, or taken advantage by people over and over again and not be upset and angry. And why lamentations? Let's go to lamentations, yes? Sounds like one of those things you eat. Oh no, that's lamentations. Anyway, in <laughs> Lamentations chapter 3, <laughs> Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, so if you've got that back there, please bring that version up. I love the way it says this. In fact, we've sung this in some of our songs. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The ste- it's not just wavy and up and down and one minute he loves you and the next minute he wants to kill you. Okay? It says, the steadfast love. Please receive these words. The steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. Watch. It goes in the say, His mercies never come to an end. Mercy is when you go, I did the wrong thing. Mercy. Don't beat me for it. I know I deserve to be beaten, but don't. Mercy. His mercies never come to an end. I love this. Remember, God created you to love you. So His love is steadfast toward you. And His mercies never come to an end. Oh, that means I can sin all the time. Don't do that. Because the devil is out there. The thief will kill you. Don't blame God for it. Things go wrong in your life. That's the reason why he's saying do the right thing and live. See, we think it's religion. It's actually spiritual science. You know, when they say don't take a screwdriver and shove it in... (laughs) Like my son did. That's why his hair was up for the longest time. But <laughs> when they say, don't take a screwdriver and stick it in the plug point, don't do that stuff. That's not good for you. Well, I know it. It says it, but I want to see what happens. We'll be burying you next week. That was not a test. That was stupid. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And we, we see, this is the, the problem. We say, people say, well, you have your religion. You know, we have ours. We don't have religion. We're talking to you about things. God, the Creator, said this is how it works. You know the owner's manual? That says don't stick a screwdriver in the thing. Also, that, this is the owner's manual. Don't do certain things. Because they're not good for you. They mess your life up. And that's the reason why people have preached throughout the ages. I'm, I'm seeing that more and more. Throughout the ages, you know, for people to repent, not because it's a religious thing, because they're out of God's will. They are in a place where they can be hurt and harmed and destroyed. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. God says about His own people, they're being destroyed because they don't know. 
Are you all with me? And so that's why people, are, you know, God raises people up to let them know you're doing this wrong. Remember the, the whole island of Nineveh? Jonah did not want to go preach to them. <laughs> as soon as he told them what they were doing wrong, they all repented. He said, I didn't want them to repent. I want them to all die for their sin. And God, God's saying, hey, if I dealt with you the same way you want me to deal with them, you'd be dead a long time ago. Hello? Amen. Hey, the same mercy works both ways. I haven't finished the verses. <laughs> so again, it says, verse 22, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. Please get a, a revelation of they are new every morning. Every day it resets. God didn't say, and he has the ability to do this. You know, for 64 years, beginning in 1937, <laughs> okay, you sin here, you sin there, you sin, and you did four years. <laughs> Remember that one? And then, okay, he has the ability to recall everything you've ever done. If you acknowledge your sin, it can reset right then. And it should reset right then. Every morning he's waiting for you to reset that thing. Amen. See, let me just share this with you very quickly. God is judge. You all know that? Okay. <clears throat> but he's rigged the system. He sent Jesus to the cross. So the devil works, the devil has to work within the laws. And when he gets out of those laws, then you can stand up and say, be still, and he has to shut up. Did you get what I just said? Because otherwise Michael and his angels will come and give him a whooping. Hello. Just like in the law here. You do something wrong. You just can't get away with it. The police will come down on you. Whatever armed forces will come down on you. <laughs> something will land on you. All right? So we're talking about the greatest force in the universe. And so, you know, where was I? Oh, <laughs> you need to understand something. That while you are doing something wrong, God has to be judged and he has to be judged. But as soon as you, you know, instigate the cross, as soon as you go and say, Lord... I'm, I'm admitting my sin. I'm confessing it. I'm acknowledging it. Straight away, the cross of Christ stands before you. And all of the devil's charges fall. Doesn't matter what he's done to get you to do whatever, all of them fall to the ground as soon as you, you know, bring that cross in. Listen. Because it paid the price for everything. Hence, it's rigged. But only if you make use of it. It's the loophole. If you acknowledge your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Everything that the devil got you to do willingly that you knew we were doing wrong, all of that just gets wiped clean. And he can love you again the way he wants to love. He's always loved you, but now he can lavish himself upon you without you blocking him. See, again, God's always giving. God so loved, He gave, and He's constantly giving. But we're the ones that stop that. I, I really need you to get this in light of all the scriptures we're talking about, because this is where ministry begins. This is where your life in Christ begins. By first being loved. And just knowing that whenever something comes against you, there is a God who loves you so much, 
He won't tolerate that in your life, so you shouldn't. I believe that was what the Apostle John, he got that revelation, and they tried to burn him, and they tried to kill him, and they tried to do all this stuff. And he goes, no. No, thanks. As Daniel was going, no, thank you. No, we're not having that today. You can say no. Don't let the devil deliver packages on your doorstep that you don't want. Don't sign for it. Say no thanks. Amen. Well, what's that going to do? Well, this huge angel behind you steps out. And he said, he, he looks at him and says, he said no. She said no. Go away. No freeloaders. You know, <laughs> what do you call it? Solicity. Yeah, well, oh, that's it. Get away. Shoot. That's why you need to sometimes rise up in faith and say no to things. And why it's important to know that God isn't behind it. So that you say no to it. And that's where, sadly, most of the body of Christ is. Now, how much time do I have? Okay. Oops. Uh, oh, a tiny bit more and we'll finish. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Luke chapter 9. We, we see an example of this in Luke chapter 9. You know, particularly when the Samaritan village refused to receive the Lord. We won't go into the reasons today. And it says in verses 54 through 56, And when his disciples, I'm reading from the New King James, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, you know, they, they said no. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire? Notice, Lord, do you want us? They knew their authority. They knew the power they commanded. The church today doesn't. Anyway, again, for another time. But he says, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? And I'm sure that they were waiting for the Lord to say, yes, I have been hurt deeply. Call down fire. Burn them all up. No. <laughs> but he turned and he didn't bless them. He didn't say, oh, bless you. You see how this has hurt me? He rebuked them. Now, some versions have the rebuke, some don't. Mine does. All right? And he said, you do not know what spirit you are of. He's saying you've been led by the wrong spirit right now. He says in verse 56, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. I know some just want to have that they went to another village. But this, this happened in, you know, before that. He says, I came to save lives. God so loved he didn't come to destroy them. He came to love them, to look after them. Amen? And so, just in that, remember again, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is how the Father is reacting to this. Even when people reject him, he still loves them. Hallelujah. John MacArthur says, long-suffering, or defines long-suffering, excuse me, to be the calm willingness to accept certain situations that are irritating and painful. And says that is generally used of someone, I'm using a capital S here, who is wronged and who has it easily in their power to avenge themselves. Amen. God certainly can, but will never do so. Did you get all of that? Because God so loves. 
Amen? We'll come back and look at what kindness means next week, huh? In relation to this love that God has for you. And this love that you need to be receiving from Him. So that you can be the son and the daughter He designed and destined you to be. Amen? Let's have every head bowed over our clothes. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we just thank you, Father, that as we progress through this series, as we learn more and more, not just about the fact that we were, that we were created to be loved to begin with, first of all, by you, but to understand what that means. What is that love? And I just thank you, Father that we all receive revelation from the Holy Spirit regarding how that love applies to us in our situations, those here and online, so that we can walk in the fullness of all that you came to give us. And Jesus, we thank you that none of this would be available if not for you. If not for you dying on that cross. And Father, I just thank you for anybody out there that does not have Jesus Christ as Lord. All they need to do, according to Romans 10.9, is to receive and make Jesus Christ their Lord. Believe that God did raise Him from the dead and they will be saved. And they can step in to this blessing. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen.